Welcome to Tech by Design. Design is passion, design is energy, design is enthusiasm. On these episodes, we'll talk to people who exude all those things about the products they build. Come join us. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Tech by Design. My name is Nick Surface. I am the CEO of the Richmond Technology Council. And I am your co-host today, along with Alex Atanez from Shaco. Alex, say hi to the people. Morning, Nick. Very much looking forward to this conversation. Hello, everybody. We are back with another amazing episode today. Yeah, today we're talking about designing for the metaverse, designing for virtual worlds. Um, and we have an interesting guest uh, from out west, Lee Kebler. Lee, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, how are you? Um, we're great. We're uh we're fascinated to find out who you are and what you do and, and what makes you tick and, and how you think about design. And I want to get into your story as we move throughout the conversation, but I want to just start with, with your LinkedIn profile. I think it says that you are a virtual world builder. Just to level set for everyone who's listening, what are we talking about with you when we talk about virtual worlds? What, is that, what does that even mean? Oh, uh, it's, it's a tricky question, right? So... Um... I grew up playing video games, and it was a big part of my childhood. Um, you know, I grew up in the probably the first generation to understand a a three dimensional space in a video game. You know, N sixty four rolled out, and all of a sudden you can move in different areas. I've got fond memories of going over to my friend's house on a Saturday morning with all of us gathered around a huge ugly CRT television playing Golden Eye in the same space, right and that's kind of the the start of it. Um, this concept of where virtual worlds are basically a digital landscape where you can do things you can't do in the real world um, and be with friends and create those human bonds to each other as as friends and getting to know new people, getting to understand new community like new communities and new thoughts. You know, when when you're playing. Uh, you know, GoldenEye in N64, you've pretty much got a mission and that's to go get the other guy. And we saw that play out through Halo, you know, a couple of years later. And then it just grows into, oh, we're going to add the mic. Well, why are we adding the mic? We don't want people to know where we are. And then you start th seeing things like uh, World of Warcraft roll out and League of Legends. And, and now all of a sudden you're playing a game, but you're not playing a game to play the game. You're playing a game to be with your friends. And this leads to concepts like second life which is a little you know a little early to the game but kind of sees that vision uh and then we hit this moment of well what if we open the the engine the thing that builds the video game to the people playing it so they can create their own worlds they can mod their own worlds you know it started with modding where okay some really smart people were able to get together and make the world do things that it wasn't supposed to do and then people start looking at it and go well what's the engine do what's the engine look like and, you know you start looking at the engine companies themselves and, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, like the engine is the thing that builds the world, right? Everyone's got a car, but not a whole lot of people know like how the combustion engine works inside of it, right? And they've never tried. In fact, the, the automobile industry is a really good example because they never actually tried to let the consumer understand how that engine works either because they don't want you working on it. They want you bringing the car back to the, to the shop so they can make more money. Well, the gaming industry kind of did it the opposite way. They're like, well, why don't we actually make the engine easier to use and then see what people do with it? And so it's this weird hybrid of where... As young people start to understand how to develop more and how to like interact with the computer better and on a deeper, more meaningful level, they start building their own worlds. They start building their own creativity, which means they start building their own communities. And as they build their own communities, those communities grow. And now we're in this idea of what does world building look like? What is that? It sounds like a non, like a not real job, right? Um, in brands right now it's huge but in just community building and game building which is undeniably a huge market it's a very real job job right um and and that's a big part of where i sit is is trying to figure out like if you're going to build a community if you're going to build a game if you want people to keep going back to it and be creative within it what does that mean from a world building aspect long-winded explanation but there's a lot of history to it to like explain how we got there uh, I was going to say, so, so with respect to world building, um, how do you connect these worlds? 
I, I get asked this all the time, right? So what's the difference between like, the uh, metaverse, well, the, the worlds within the metaverse, <laughs> or the multiverse, and, and everything in between? So I seem to be the only one who's willing to say the dirty little truth that the metaverse doesn't exist. It's frustrating because the metaverse is a goal. It's not a location. Yes. And everyone's out here selling it like it's a location. And it drives me crazy. But I'm one person and I can't make everyone, I can't correct everyone, right? So you just kind of roll with it and you're like, okay, yeah, we're building in the metaverse, whatever. The goal behind the metaverse is where all of these worlds do connect one day, right? Where it's all seamless, where I can jump from Roblox into Fortnite, into Rec Room, into VR Chat, into, uh, you know, Meta Horizon. I, I should be able to jump between all these worlds. And I just listed worlds that are available in VR and aren't. You know, I should be able to go between and that that username identity that comes with a profile like is there's there needs to be like this mass adoption. And the problem with that is you have companies that get this, but they're not really willing to let up enough control to make it happen. Right. Like just about everything you need to sign into business wise will allow you to sign in with your Facebook account, your uh, Google account or your uh, Apple account. Pick one. Right. And so there's not this real like connective tissue. They're, they're close to getting it, but they're not there yet. So right now you don't link the worlds together. Um, we want to one day. This is the concept behind where NFTs might actually have a value point. But it's it's a speculative market until you actually stop looking at it as a speculative market and look at it as like, well, how do you transfer? Not how do you make money off of it? But how do you use it as a protocol to transfer between one world to the next? And while there's still money to be made off of the NFT market, no one's asking that question because they're over in the corner trying to like make money off of bad clip art. I mean, it's just (laughs) what it is. Um, Lee, you're you're talking about brands here, kind of brands outside of the the expected or anticipated sector. So you you know, gaming makes a ton of sense, obviously, and maybe some of the maker spaces, architecture, manufacturing, kind of makes some some intuitive sense. But it sounds like you're working with brands across the board that are trying to figure this out, learn how to engage in it or build a, a presence in it. So when you take on a new client or a new project, what are some of the questions that you're asking uh, about? what they need, what kind of characteristics do they want, if it's even a good use case to, you know, to, to dive into this space for them. Um, what are you asking to a new client about this particular world? I, honestly, the first question I ask is why? And then I shut up and I listen. And I think that's a big problem that a lot of people don't have right now is like this willingness to just be like, okay, so why do you want to be here? Because if you can't answer that question, nothing I do is going to help you. You know, so that that's the first and foremost thing is like, why? Now, sometimes, and, and this is, some people don't think this is an acceptable answer, but it is absolutely acceptable answer. And sometimes the acceptable answer is because it's cool. Um, sometimes the acceptable answer is because we didn't do X, Y, Z five years ago, and we see this thing and we need to experiment so we don't miss the next thing, right? Totally fine. And then sometimes they have an actual like real target audience and, and reason for wanting to be so, somewhere. So like that's the first thing is I, I, I don't talk to them about platforms or anything like that. It's just simply like why? What's broken, right? What is it that you're not reaching? What, what do you need to change in, in your current method? Um, I think that there's people right now, there's companies and, and brand, not even like companies really, but like there's, there's some smaller brands that like yeah, the mom and pop dry cleaner doesn't need to be in the in the metaverse, right? Like that's not for you. Like, like wait a little bit, you need a website and your website shouldn't still be on GeoCities, but like, let's do this one step at a time, you know, but as you're getting into bigger brands that have people where you're missing a target audience or you need to bring people in, or you have an active audience and you know where they are, but you aren't represented there. Like all of those are, are very valid reasons for a brand to start looking into the metaverse. And sometimes they have a very unique idea and they just want to experiment. And this is coming out of some type of like R&D budget. That's fine too. And this, the second one is who because you get to skip the where right like so you just are asking like you get skip you're skipping the where and the what so you just have to ask the why and the who so the next question is who because these metaverse platforms what are being called metaverse platforms some are just multiplayer gaming do not all have the same demographic 
and some of them have a demographic that is growing with them because they've been playing it for 10 years. And so those demographic expectations have to shift. And so that's the, that's the second question that I always ask is like, well, then who are you trying to reach? Because if you're trying to reach this demographic here and you are aiming at this world target here, yeah, you can build it, but no one's going to show up to it, right? Um, if you're wanting to target uh, retirees and you're thinking about building a Roblox world, what are you doing? Like, don't don't come to me with that. Like, that's just not the right answer, you know? But if you're trying to reach a a young adult demographic that grew up playing Roblox and maybe is still playing Roblox or a younger demographic because they're constantly bringing in new players, like, that's great. If you're trying to reach a very specific late teen demographic or, or mid-late teen demographic that's playing Fortnite, yeah, let's talk about that. Like, But these platforms have those demographics, so we try to aim that as well. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And, and Lee, I'm going to pass it to Alex because, Alex, I'm wondering, does this resonate with you as a kind of an app and a mobile designer? You're seeing the same thing with everybody coming to you for, you know, they want the app, but maybe probably not relevant or maybe not useful or the ROI isn't, doesn't match up? Yeah, no, I was actually going to say the same thing. So, Lee, we see, we, we see the exact same thing. We, we call it clutter. So we don't want to clutter the space any more than it already is. And, and I think you are approaching it from, from a nascent space, right? Like this space is clean right now. Let's put who needs to be where now rather than let it get cluttered in the future and then have to clean it out. I think my question comes back to, to the metaverse and some of the things that we've been exploring and, and the way I describe it, right? Like there is the fully immersive metaverse or the like the metaverse, like a Roblox that, that you are completely immersed into a game. And then there is an augmented metaverse where, where you're basically creating a space on your real like physical reality. How, how do you distinguish between each and, and how do you play in both of those things? Like, do you see a separation yet? Or are you basically saying, hey, listen, the metaverse is always and always will be immersive. And then there's augmented reality, which we are now confusing with the metaverse. Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, if you would have asked me that question a couple of years ago, I'd, I would have said, well, a couple of years ago, no one was using the term metaverse. Yeah. Um, but It's called gaming. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, all of those technology, and the reason why they always get lumped together, and they are very different, and I do think that they come to a, a point where they meet, um, and we're getting closer and closer to that point every day. Mm -hmm. But the reason why they get lumped together goes back to this conversation from earlier about engines, right? Um, an engine builds all of them. And when you're in the engine building something, you might be in you know, Unreal by Epic, you might be in the Unity engine, you might be in the Roblox Studio engine. They've got a very robust engine behind that thing. But they all basically function the same way. So you have the same, like, the, really the same developer who's out there playing, like, building a, a game in Unity for a mobile device with a, a couple of Google tutorials can spin up a VR simulation pretty quickly. It might not be great because they have to change like their game dynamics concepts and like how they design things, but they could get you a virtual world in Unity pretty easy, you know, probably by end of day. Uh, it, it might just be like a landscape with a tree in it, but you'll be able to walk around it. It's, it. it's happening in the same thing. So that's why those things get typically lumped together. And we do have this like utopia, like technological utopian vision of where it all comes together and works harmoniously. <clears throat> and this goes back to like the universal sign-ins with NFTs and blah, 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 blah. All of this other stuff that we're talking about. And that is the moment where you can be playing a game on your computer, on your desktop, and then you need to see something in like three-dimensional space for work. So you pop on your, your headset and that headset allows you to see in augmented reality space or virtual reality space, depending on what setting you want to put it in. We're not there yet, and but we're not far... To say we're not far off is 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 a little is a little callous. I mean, it'll be a while, but we're not talking a decade, right? Um, you know, by all accounts, we're looking at you know five plus years. Um, 
and that's coming from a very jaded perspective of someone who grew up in the 90s and was promised VR for like 10 years and, and bought a Virtual Boy in 1995 and, and then never saw anything until 2015. So like, yeah, I, I've been lied to. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's just like, that's that's where I think we want to go. And there's a lot of headway being made. And it just takes a lot of these tech companies kind of allowing developers to do what they need to do. Unity and Unreal has actually been really great about that. Some of the hardware companies sort of, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about like transitions with, with Oculus and Meta and Facebook and all of that. I, I would be amiss if I didn't say we are where we are today in VR because of them. Like they have kept it going and kept it rolling and I have a lot of like respect for it. And, you know, they've done pretty good when it comes to allowing independent game developers to put content on their platform and as long as they keep their hardware available for people to like like myself or even like the next generation of, of developers to keep hardware you know uh programming on i'm gonna be thrilled those are the things that we need to keep going but we'll 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 see where it goes so lee as as you're working on actually building these worlds um when you're getting into the meat of it with your team or, or teams that you've built what is that process like when, when things are kind of humming along and y'all are, are, are grinding through the creation of one of these worlds? Paint that picture for me. What does that tapestry look like? What does it look like to be designing a virtual world from nine to five? Oh, nine to five. Or from that, uh, well... 5 p.m. to 3 a.m., whatever it is. <laughs> I was like, we were just talking about utopians. Uh, yeah, um, it's definitely not nine to five sometimes, especially when you've got like, scenarios where you've got to push something live at x time for because you've said you would a lot of these worlds have to go live they're going on a server that you have no control over because you're hitting a platform because that's where the player base is it's different if you're building a video game and you're launching that video game and you're pushing it to like the oculus store or something like that right or just to like the the to steam to be purchased or what have you when you are launching a uh, a game like that, I don't want to say it's more lax. You still have people who are kind of like breathing down your neck to get stuff out. But when you're pushing something to a platform and you told all the people who are on that platform this is coming, it, it can get hectic because now you've got to start making compromises. So what does it look like? Um, for me, oh, this is going to sound so arrogant. I don't mean this to come off arrogant. I don't have another way to describe it. Uh, are you familiar with the glass artist uh, Chihuly? Yeah, out in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. He's based out of Seattle, right? Yes. Uh, or that's where his yeah, native yeah. city is. Yeah. His yeah, his yeah. museum is there. Yeah. So a lot of like directing a team, I I see a lot of that in like watching Chihuly work, where he was a prolific with glass, but then he got older and now he's got a team and he's gotta like go through and like monitor how that team works together to accomplish unified unified vision. And so that's a big part of the process, even from my seat, is I can only get so far. One person can only do so much. And you have to put a team that is stronger and better and more talented than you together and help them work together. And you do a lot of this like spot checking as things are going on in the engine and then sometimes you look at that piece of glass and you're like this is wrong and you smash it on the ground because it's just incorrect but i try to do it nicer and not hurt people's feelings in doing so um but it it does get chaotic and there is a lot of working with the client and making sure that their vision is being properly represented because you can't put all of the developers in a room sometimes a world build will take 30 people sometimes it takes five it just depends on what it is. And and to be honest, a 30-person world build does not mean it's better than a five-person world build. It's all subjective. So it just takes a lot of planning. You have an art direction division. You've got a 3D artist division. You know, your 3D artists don't know how to code. Your coders don't know how to make a box. Um, you know, so like you, you kind of have to sit there and juggle the communication, bet you know, between everybody. You have to be meticulously planned with a workback schedule probably the most important person on the team is the program manager. Um, no one treats them as that, and that drives me nuts because I used to be a program manager, but the program manager is is probably the most important person on the team, in my opinion, because as soon as that schedule gets off 
the chain, like, yeah, it's going to get miserable real quick. So that's just the chaos of getting one of these things out. It's just not easy. I mean, it's, it's a lot like watching someone build a house. You know, and then the client comes in and says, "Yeah, we need to move that toilet over there." And you're like, "But we put the we roughed the plumbing in. You can't. the The plumber's left. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you can't put the toilet there. Well, it needs to be there. Okay, I guess we'll divert some pipes in that direction and pray for the best. You know, that's just kind of the way it is. So it reminds me. I don't know if you've guys seen like the show Westworld, but oh yeah, I feel like designing for the metaverse means you are four characters in one. So you're a film producer, right? Like you're making sure that character <laughs> development goes according to plan. Uh, you're an art director. You're like, okay, so what's the person seeing and what does it look like? Does this represent my brand? You're a graphic designer, right? Like at the same time, because you're basically like lifting up these these immersive concepts. And then you're a copywriter because you, you need to make sure that what this person is engaging with and interacting with. And and um, as you talk about it, I'm like, my gosh, we don't have that type of person in, in the design world yet, or or at least it's it's a trait to be developed. We're out there. It's just we're we're finding out that it's a job right now, um, you know, yeah. and that's that's part of it. And you know, yes, it is a lot like that. But I'll I'll take it a step further, and it ties in uh, an actor who goes between both. It's more like the Truman Show. So, <laughs> because at the end of the day, in Westworld, they all knew it was fake. Yeah. In the Truman Show, you're trying to convince the client that none of this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all fine and this is a perfect world wow yes yeah that's an amazing comparison you um and eventually one day but in the metaverse can, can you hit the end can you can you take your boat out to sea and hit the end of the dome uh yeah of course you can um no no world's perfect and i no world will ever be perfect and you'll see that i mean there's a whole community focused around glitching video games right what's the what's the best way to get to point a to point b you know and that is part of the fun i don't want to see that go away i don't want it to be there there should be a, a wall at the end of it um because if you go any further you just kind of in this like wally territory where you're all floating around in chairs not doing anything um so i for me uh, knowing that there's people out there that are pushing those limitations and finding bugs you never thought like clever stuff that you never thought was possible we we launched some stuff yesterday and i'm watching people play it on like twitch and they're finding bugs that will make you super jump and i'm just sitting here scratching my head of like how did you figure that out because i didn't know that that i see the code and i don't know that it does that um okay that's interesting uh and then you have to have that question of like well do you patch it that's another that's another big question is it just like you look at it you know like okay that's an interesting bug that was unintended and the players like it now that player can glitch and super jump and it doesn't make the world worse do you take that away all of a sudden there's this whole post-launch yeah. balance that you've got to take in consideration when you're seeing some of these things and a lot of people's like knee-jerk reaction is like it's a bug you fix it and sometimes you do absolutely Something's game breaking or working not in, in the way you intended, you do. Sometimes you look at it and go, okay, that's hilarious. And that's gonna that's the meme of the world, and like that's part of it now. And if I take that out, uh people are gonna be upset because they found this thing that they can do and they enjoy it. And okay, maybe we leave that in. It's a that's, weird balance. That's probably I could just picture like the guys from Nintendo when they were designing the first Mario Brothers game. And like they had the original testers jump over the blocks and into the credit line. And it's like, oh, wait, hold up. That works. Let's design something around that as opposed to killing it. Absolutely. But absolutely. You are doing it live. They probably had rounds and rounds of testing and they could see it before they launched the game. Yeah. And, and the games have gotten so complex and, and they're not dealing with. Well, I mean, technically they were, but like they're not dealing with physics like we are yeah. in the sense of like game engine physics are wonky and no one really like i mean someone's got their head wrapped around it but that person is out of my scope so you know like sometimes you just build something and you're like oh i did not know that it was going to function that way because there was no way to know uh because up and down left and right and all in between and gravity and even how light works inside of game engines 
is just not how it actually works in the real world. It's a sim simulation to the best of our proximity of like how gravity and light works, you know? And that's, that's always a weird conversation to have with the client when they want something and you're like, yeah, but that's not how light works. A physics property that in their real world, they've been familiar with since the day they opened their eyes, right? So <laughs> it's, it gets a little hairy. So speaking of bugs and patches and post-launch here, Lee, how what how do you evaluate at the end when you when you when you've done a launch or an iteration or or you know a, a new deliverable whatever it is what do you start looking for what how do you determine if uh that round of iterations was successful and how do you determine when it's not like what how do you rank how well you did uh, the people will rank it for you and that is uh you know there's this concept of if you build it they will come and that's true but it's got to be if you don't want like that immediate knee jerk. And let me be fair. There's been some like I'm going to talk about some game development, but a lot of that game development has like done right by it. And it's hard. Uh, and it's sometimes it's hard to watch when you watch other uh, studios have to like struggle because they have a great idea and then it flops and they have to go fix it. Um, so the community will tell you and then you have to make the decision of do you have the stomach to keep going and build something very good? Or is this not for you and you're going to give up? And it's a coin toss when it comes to some of these, these builds of like what people are going to do. Now, if you launch something and it immediately has game breaking bugs in it, you try to get those out in like day one, day two patches like that. That's the stuff you're really looking for. And it's hard because you got to ignore comments. You got to ignore feedback. You got to ignore you know, uh, people writing reviews on blogs and stuff like that because they're writing their opinion on how the game works. But if like day one, day two, you're looking at those things and the game works, the opinions don't matter, right? We can address the opinion second. If you're looking at game one, game two, and or, or day one, day two, and the game's just like not functioning, that's what you have to look into. Those are the things that you're not pushing like, downloadable content updates you know you're pushing actual like quick bug fixes because if you don't the product doesn't work right and especially when you start looking at it from a metaverse perspective and you're pushing to another platform you can test the heck out of something but the second that you push it live someone's going to find something that is a game-breaking bug i don't care how much time you spent on it someone's going to find something that's a game-breaking bug you go and you fix that in day one day two you start looking at opinions next week and then you start addressing like oh that's actually a pretty cool concept for a game idea or that'd be a better mechanic let's go start like working on that and uh, like my favorite example is hello games as they released and re-released and re-released uh no man's sky right uh it was a highly anticipated game and it got pushed and all the documentation is there is that the publisher pushed it way too fast and then the development team you know kind of got stuck in a corner and they ended up pushing out a game with a ton of hype behind it and then it did nothing that they promised that it would do and instead of just turning tail, taking their money and leaving, they're like, you know what? We're going to shove this into VR and we're going to make it amazing. And they've made it one of the best video games I've seen in the decade. But it started as hot trash. And everyone, that's not a dig at them. They know this, right? Like they've admitted it. This is what happened. But I'm so impressed by them as, as a development team because they did what most people don't have the stomach to do. And that is take a step back and go, all right, we're not really willing to give up on this. How do we make this better? And now it's releasing on the Switch. And how they got such a big game ported over to the Switch next month, I don't know. I'm buying it just to see how it plays on the Switch because that seems like complete like technological voodoo to me. Like I don't understand how they shoved that video game into such low hardware. But um, you know, they started pushing towards this metaverse concept. You've got a multiplayer VR community that's now exploring this digital solar system, it's just crazy. Um, and we would have never gotten there if they had taken those initial reviews and bug feedbacks and ignored them. Um, you know, so like that's that's what we strive for. Lee, you mentioned you have a new project you just launched. I think you're you're probably a little groggy this morning because of something that went out last night. Can you oh, talk yeah. a little bit can you talk a little bit about it? Can you tell us what's what's really on the docket for y'all at I assume it's a, a journey project? 
Uh, yeah, um, Journey, and then we worked with uh, the publicist group um, uh, for like some art design and like concept iterations. And it's basically uh, yesterday morning we launched uh, Walmart Land in uh, Roblox, and it is an incredibly unique. I know this is one of those things where I, as we first started getting to it, like, wow, where does Walmart fit into, into Roblox, right? This is one of those brand concepts. And like, we had a, such a great conversation with them. Um, and they're a fantastic group. I, I really didn't know what to expect in the early conversations uh, because I've had clients come to me and I, I've had to scratch my head and go, yeah, no, this isn't for me. And this, this isn't one of them. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about this one because it's a different approach to how a brand is entering Roblox. There's a lot of brands right now trying to like shove their way into Roblox because it's where there's a lot of eyes. And it's not always met with like enthusiastic anticipation um, by the players because it needs to be something that's continual or authentic. And it's kind of funny watching like the Roblox community, even with other brands coming in, the community has this concept of events and they are under the impression that any brand coming in isn't staying. They're going to come in, they'll do their little event, and then they'll leave, and that'll be the end of it. And maybe you'll get some free you know, wearables for your avatar, and that'll be cool. And there's just a lot of like callousness towards this because it's the history of what's been happening with brands. And so I didn't, I was like, that was one of my things that I talked to Walmart about. I was just like, so what, is this just like a, a one and done? What are you doing here? And they're like, no, 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 we don't want to just launch and leave. And I was like, okay, well now you have my attention. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're talking through this. And so what we did is we launched a really new concept of, of a world called Walmart land that everyone's familiar with the Walmart, like spark star logo. Okay. So I sat down and I was like, well, if you look at it from top down, these could be like islands. Um, and so if you go into Walmart land and you look at it and you really take a look at the landscape, which is kind of hard to do because you're like in first person view. But if you start looking at it, you see that it's surrounded by islands from a bird's eye view. It's actually that logo, um, which I don't think most people have caught on to yet because uh, you don't see it from that perspective. But each one of those islands is rolling out with new games over the course of like time i i don't even know like what the full length is it could be a year it could be longer it could be cyclical like they're still rolling out concept here what kind of games are they shopping games are you going down aisles no. is it market <laughs> sweep what's happening in yeah Walmart? no no that was the other thing is like we looked at a lot of like brands who entered in and they were just like okay we're gonna we're gonna build a brand that does exactly what our brand does and that seemed like too on the nose and inauthentic and like no i don't want to build a walmart super center in the middle of roblox where you walk up and down aisles i think that's what most people expected and i think that there was probably a lot of people you know who were thinking that was what was coming we looked at it and i had this idea of like if these are islands okay they're aisles spelled with an I, not an A. Uh, 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 okay. Uh, that was my stupid jet dad joke for the entire, uh, the entire build. Um, so you got you, puns. Yeah. Oh, I got, I got puns on puns, um, tons of puns. And so each one of these floating aisles is actually kind of focused around an area in Walmart that would have brands. So like the first two that launched were the entertainment and the other one was like fashion and beauty. Um, and so when you go to the entertainment aisle, there's nothing for sale. We're not, it's not trying to sell anything or anything like that. It's just like bringing things that people are doing in every day, creating fun games around it and actually having the ability. And this is something that most Roblox, uh, games don't have the ability to do is to like bring in tie-ins of things that people like so that, it's in the video game and it's there with permission and it's not going to get some like DCMA strike down or something like that. So when you go into the entertainment aisle and you're going through it, like there's an entire game dedicated to Netflix trivia and you can go and just do like, you can play Netflix trivia with your friends and play through questions about stranger things. And I'm a huge stranger things fan. And that's just something you can't like, get sign off for in other places. So it's stuff like that. There's like a little dance area where like you can like uh, where DJ Twitch is there showing you like dance moves and stuff like that. And it's just a place to build community and hang out. 
but it is not like this shopping center experience. Um, one of the really fun things that I enjoyed doing that we were able to bring is, and it was tied back to the Netflix thing, it was really uh, quite fun for me, um, was we were able to build wearables because that's a big part of the, the Roblox community, and we were able to tie that into things like Stranger Things. Um, so you just earn, there's no financial transaction or anything like that in the world. You're not putting in, in Robux or something like that right now. You're playing games, earning tokens, and then turning them into get Virch for your avatar. Like one of them is you get the pizza box from Surfin' Boy Pizza from Netflix and you just have this from, from Stranger Things. Sorry, I'm extremely tired. Uh, you know, so there's stuff like that. We built this, I'm a, I'm a DJ previously in a previous career. Um, I, you know, I, I, toured as a DJ for years. And so it was an opportunity to actually build like a fun DJ game. Like there's a full in the back and it's kind of hidden and we're, we we're leaving it there for people to like discover, but there's this full DJ game where you actually learn how to mix and make music. And yeah, some of the brands that are inside of Walmart are represented, but it isn't like, it's, it's a lot less of an, Hey, here's an ad and more of a, like, these are things you interact with in your everyday life. And so we, because they're Walmart, we're able to actually put those things in here. So it's more real as opposed to here's like an off, like an, a, a knockoff brand that obviously is alluding to something that you're familiar with, but we can't put the logo on it. Well, they have that logo. So we were able to put the logo on it. It's really, it, that, that's really it. So it's, it's, it's more of just like a, a community build for them. And so we launched with two of those little spark offset aisles and we've got more coming. Um, and you know, they're going to be focused around completely different things. And conceptually it's just about getting in with friends, playing a bunch of mini games and learning about things that actually like that you're actually interested in. It's not like the Walmart you don't see Walmart plastered on it. Like, I think there's only one location where the word Walmart is like there. It's, it's not really even, I think that's on the splash page. It's, it's, they were really interesting in how they wanted to, to like, just do it um, as, as a thing for people to go to. Uh, and I could get on board with that. Right. Like that was something that made a lot of sense. Um, and I'm excited to see these other games like kind of roll out um, and be tied together. I've been very impressed with the development process with them on Walmart land. Um, it's been, it's actually been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And Lee, there, there is some press already out there. I think you all are putting some posts out on Walmart land. So folks can find that if they're interested to look, to learn more. Right. Oh yeah. If you go to, I mean, if you go to Roblox and you type in, you know, Walmart land or Walmart, um, it's going to be the first thing that pops up. At least it should be. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just something to like, explore and take in uh i can say this now but i'm not going to get too far into it i'm going to let the, the press releases do the talking but one of the things that they want to do is to get a concert out there and work with some of the music artists that that they've partnered with and they've got a they really took a unique uh, approach to this it won't be a concert kind of like how everyone i think is getting kind of burnt out on roblox concerts um because you know you build a world you showed up you, you put a concert in it and then the world goes away they we just built a stage in the world that is going to continue on and continue to be being built so that if there needs to be, if they want to do a concert if there is like a music release you just go to that stage and if there's not currently a music release and there's currently not a concert going on that stage is still there it's just not active because there's so much else to do in the world um, and, and took it to more of like a festival concept than we're just going to throw another like Roblox concert. And that is, uh, to me, that's super exciting because it makes it, it makes it permanent, you know, and that's, that's something that I think that the metaverse doesn't have a lot of is permanence. Uh, and so that, that was, that was an exciting thing to see come together. Well, Lee, we're rounding out an hour here. We're getting close. Right? I think we're 45 minutes in. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, and I want to ask you a couple of final questions. There are a few uh, non-virtual world questions that I have for you that I, I, I think will add some value to our audience and I, maybe help us learn a little bit more about you. Uh -huh. um, you have quite, quite the colorful background if you just look at your, your black and white resume. Um, time with Nike, time with Intel, time with Will I Am. Um, you know, those are all very high profile, uh, step stones in your career. So you've had a entertaining, colorful, um, eccentric career if, for lack of a better word. What would you recommend to, to folks out there who might be interested in getting into this, 
this career as a job? You mentioned it's a real job now, building virtual worlds. Um, if I'm kind of, let's say I'm in high school or college, or I'm floating into the tech world a little bit, and I want to kind of dive into this this sector, how do I get in? What's what's the best best pathway in? If you want to get into this sector and you don't have a, a game community that you're really obsessed with where you have friends in it might not be for you um like that's kind of where the passion starts right you have to discover something helps you understand the community aspect of it first that's otherwise you just become a like i don't know corporate game developer or something like that like there, there needs to be something better behind it so for me you know i came out of the entertainment industry and i'm still as far as you as far as i'm concerned i'm still in the entertainment industry right that's what this is it's just the next <clears> level <throat> of it um but I discovered a platform when I, you know, I mentioned earlier that like in 1995, I saved up my birthday money and bought a Virtual Boy from Nintendo. And I, you know, played that until I realized VR wasn't coming. So when VR really became practical in like 2014, 2015, I made a huge pivot towards that. Now, I was still in tech prior to that, but mostly tech entertainment. So it was kind of a natural transition. But then as I started, I didn't know how to build in unity at that time i didn't know how to build a vr you know game i wasn't really into game development because i didn't really have this community and then i ended up uh early on beta testing a system um just as a player uh called vr chat now let me be clear vr chat is super weird uh it is not a normal platform it is not for everybody i would say 99 percent of it's not even for me but it opened my mind to like oh there's literally digital people online um, and I can find people who are interested in things that I'm interested in. And then like the rest of them are definitely not interested in the things that I'm interested in. <laughs> like, it's just kind of all over the map. But what they did was they basically had it where they're not a, they are a platform, but you basically build whatever you want into unity, which they don't own. And then you just upload it to their server and then you can walk around Like basically what they are is a server that allows you to put players into a space. They don't build the content. There's no content that they build, right? There's, they don't even build the engine. They just basically built a server that will let you put that world up there. And that's when I started getting into like, okay, well, how does this actually translate into other areas? Um, and so that was kind of the starting point for where all this like world building stuff took place for me. So I would start there, right? Not saying start in VR chat, like that's not what I mean. I mean, start with whatever it is that you're interested in, right? Like if you grew up playing Roblox and you've never built a Roblox world, the Roblox engine's free, download it, build a Roblox world, figure out what it is that made that so special to you. If you grew up playing, you know, Fortnite, and you're not figuring out how to build in Fortnite creative worlds, like, what are you doing? Like, go do that. That's where it starts. Uh, and you might not have a knack for it. You may find out, like, what you have a knack for is the, the art of it and not the actual development. Maybe you're not a coder. Maybe you realize, like, oh, okay, I, I actually really like opening up Blender. Blender is free. It's very hard to use. You know, you're going to hit your head against the table for a while. But, you know, you, you start with a block and before you know it, you have a full flying animated dragon that's breathing purple fire. Uh, you, you'll get there. Um, it just it just takes time. You might find and this is a big part for me is that you like sound design. So I did a lot of the sound design. I, I worked with another developer to get it all placed and triggered properly. But the sound design inside of Walmart land was a lot of it you know, was, was me working on it. Um, I enjoy doing that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a thing that you, that is out there. Um, anything you can do, this sounds crazy, but like pretty much anything that you can do in the real world, you can do in the virtual world. You know, I don't, even if you're like, I don't know, I really like the concept of like HR, right? Well, where does that fit in? Go be a moderator. Like, that's a thing. You can still go do it, right? Like, you just got to take a step back and you're like, oh, well, I, I'm interested in, like, being a mechanic. Okay, great. Go be a bug tester. Like, there, there is literally an alternative version of just about everything, you know, in the virtual world as there is in this real one. So you just kind of have to take a step back and, and look at, this goes back to that original, like, Walmartland concept of, like, what is it that you're interested in? And go, like, play around with that. And hopefully you get inspired and then go and actually do it. I think that that's the biggest problem with a lot of, of, of communities right now is they get so enveloped that once they get inspired, they don't actually go off and do it. They just stay in the corner and talk about it. Um, and that's got to stop. You got to start building. 
Lee, I would love to co-author a blog with you that that's titled "The Alternate Version of You in the Metaverse" and just have fun with it. So if you'd be up for that, like just throw ideas on. Hey, the wall shoot me an email. We'll figure something out. <laughs> yes. Lee, last last question for you. Um, I I want to know if there's any. Uh, you mentioned media and entertainment a couple times here. Is there something you're consuming? Is there um, something in the media world, podcast, show, maybe even if it's an analog book? Um, that you can recommend to our audience that kind of has inspired you recently or um, just motivates you or just maybe you found really compelling and want to share? Um, is there something you can share with our audience? Uh, yeah, there's... Um, <clears throat> well, it's, it's, a, it's a... And you're welcome to edit this out because I'm going to push to a different podcast. Um, but Adweek uh, now doing a, a Metaverse podcast. Uh, I work with a absolutely fantastic talent who we've been friends for gosh almost a decade now um kathy hackle and she is uh quite the i don't know she's kind of like the the other side of the coin for with with me right like i think it's why we work so well together is like i'm out here trying to figure out like the intricacies of the world and she understands that real world and where they all come together she's a big part of of any type of marketing successful marketing that you see in the metaverse right now like at somewhere kathy's fingerprint is on it so she's got the the metaverse marketing uh podcast with adweek that is uh fantastic um and very in-depth and, and gives a more um consumable view of where all of this is going where i can be you know highly technical uh sometimes and i can kind of get in the weeds and i can admit that because when you live in the weeds that's where you are so you have to look into that she's also got a great book she's got a couple of them i i really liked her augmented workforce uh that came out a, a, a while back because it, it's looking at where like this AR VR technology starts like working inside of, of the everyday life. That's a big part of me. I'm a big uh, proponent for like enterprise VR solutions. Um, so, you know, that's just, just my two cents. Um, but you know, she's doing some things like navigating the, the metaverse and, and which was a, a very successful book in this space. Um, but I'm not just like trying to hype her up. That's always where I go to first because there's a reason why people know who she, she is um, because she's good at it. But if you take a step back from an entertainment perspective, I look at a lot of old movies. I watch a lot of old movies. Okay, and I'm saying old for like the gen, uh, like this Gen Z next generation. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off mo old movies here, and everyone here's like, that's not old. That just that I, I watched that when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to adulthood. We're old. Okay. So uh, things like um, Back to the Future Two. I talk about Back to the Future 2 all that's the time. That's the Wild Wild West one? No, no, no that's no, no. the one that time gets funky. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where they go to the future. Yep. And the reason I call that movie out almost every time I speak is because that movie did something that no other movie did during the 80s, and that was it presented a version of the future that was not scary. Now, I'm not talking about when they go back and, like, Biff has now got, you know, Trump Tower in the background, and, and you know, it's, like, that whole nightmare that was still 1985 people get that movie so confused and they're thinking that like that yes there's a dystopian part of that movie but where they show 2015 it's not dystopian at all it's actually really nice um and that was something that spielberg did and uh that zemeckis did in that movie that in 1985 if you saw a, a movie about the future it was like post-apocalyptic we're talking terminator escape from new york we're talking like it was dark and like the world's gone to crap and how do you get out of it you know all of a sudden you go watch back to the future 2 and you have hoverboards and flying cars and you know like pepsi is in this cool new bottle in my shoes power lace and it was amazing i look at movies like that for like that inspiration of like well what can we do that doesn't make things dark right where where's the light for the future um and, and back to the future 2 is a big part of that the other one is and it granted it has kind of a dark twist to it but um i owe a big chunk of my career to minority report um oh with tom cruise glasses yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that film really uh, got me into like gesture recognition, which is now called computer vision. Like that was a huge part of where my career started. And while it has this very kind of like dark tone to it, because you've got precogs that are telling the future, the future they present technologically is gorgeous. Um, and 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 not and 
getting closer every day. They built a a future in that movie that was in terms so of the Christmas, the, the swiping, everything's yeah, clean. yeah, all of it yep. was very clean. It was the future that we're like, hey, I'd actually yep. be cool with this. I don't want the precog like we're gonna arrest you for a crime before you commit it. Yeah, that's a little dark. But if you look at the the world itself, it's great. Um, and then you know, Ready Player One as a movie is fine. It was good. Um, it was the best movie they could make off of the book. That was an it was an impossible task. I knew it as soon as they announced they were making a movie. I was excited about it because I wanted to see the the DeLorean in another movie. So I saw that. Uh, but the book is no longer prolific. In 2022, the book is like, okay, yeah, this is totally makes sense. But people forget that book came out in 2011, right? Like social media was still pretty new in 2011. Let alone this entire idea of a a VR quote-unquote metaverse concept so you i go back to kind of like pull ideas of things people forgot i i know we're approaching time but i have to say this and you can edit it out i don't care i go back and i look at really old video games for mechanic design i'm a huge avid collector of atari uh, specifically 2600 like i have an embarrassing large 2600 collection for video games because i actually go back and i'll play them because a lot of what we're developing right now, it will, will be considered limited hardware when this all comes to, to place. And the 2600 was very limited hardware. So they couldn't, they were trying to like push concepts to a, a, a new gamer and a gamer didn't exist, right? That could be a kid. They made video games for kids all the way to grandparents. The 2600 didn't know what it was doing because there was no gaming demographic. They were just like, I don't know. We'll make a blackjack game for the dad. We'll maybe make, you know, this other space shuttle game for like the, the science nerd. We're going to go and make the adventure game. You know, it was all over the map because they didn't have a target demographic. They were like, whoever will pay for a video game, we're going to sell it. They couldn't like write full words, right? Like there wasn't a text editor in the Atari 2600. You don't see text. You see numbers. Like they have a, a an area for numbers, but like you can't really write a message. You don't boot up a 2600 game and it doesn't start, you know, in the year 20XX, this is what's happening. And it doesn't give you backlog, right? Um, maybe it was a little bit in the pamphlet, but, uh, you know, I go back and I look at those games and I'm like, well, how did they get these concepts? And some of them just sucked. They did. But some of them were really good. And you have to go and go, well, why does that work? And how? why did that communicate that to me that that's what I needed to do, even though there's no words on the screen? So I go backwards a lot in order to, like, understand what worked and what didn't, because we really are reinventing the wheel over and over and over again. And we pull a lot of those concepts and, and, and put it back into the design. Wow, Lee, we went we went full full circle there with uh yeah, movies, books, everything, man. Podcasts. So So if I heard correctly, like listen to Kathy, buy an Atari. Um yeah. <laughs> or watch watch Back to the Future too. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And play space. And hope Invaders. for the best. Yeah. And hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the future, yeah, I and mean, this is for another podcast, but uh, yeah, we ha we'll have to have you on again to tell us whether we're living in a simulation ourselves or not. Um, uh, but I'm sure that's another rabbit hole we could we could go down for an hour. It, it is, and the too long didn't read of that is does it matter? It's a fair point. <laughs> well, that's a great way. Thanks for wrapping this up so uh, succinctly for us, Lee. Lee, thank you again for your time. This has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I don't, I didn't think when Alex and I started this show we were going to do an episode on designing for the metaverse or designing for virtual worlds. So uh, I didn't think it was going to be a job. So hey, we're both in the same yeah, book. There we go. So with that, I'll I'll let everyone go. And uh, for those listening, thanks again for joining us on today's Tech by Design podcast. My name is Nick Surface. I'm with RVA Tech. Uh, with me is Alex Atanias from Shaco, uh, a mobile agency. Um, Alex, you want to sign off? Thanks so much, Lee. Thanks so much, Nick. It was great to talk about the metaverse and uh, looking forward to building some new virtual worlds. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.